Hello and welcome to Exploring Comics, a podcast about webcomics, indie comics, and the people who love them. I'm your host, Tim McLaughlin. This week we'll be talking about satire, but first, a little update. A little while back, I started doing a Twitter chat on Tuesdays and Thursdays based on the topics discussed during the previous Friday's episode. It seemed like a good idea and there was some interest in it, but it just really isn't working and I have an awful lot going on at the moment. There seem to be a number of reasons it hasn't gained any traction, some of which fall under some less than stellar planning on my own part, and maybe I'll address those and try again when I have the time to properly commit to it. But for now, the Exploring Comics hashtag chat is on indefinite hiatus. Good, and you? <laughs> Just looking. Jolton John Lucas. Well, I'm actually covering the event for a podcast, a comics podcast. Oh, right on. And so the main thing I'm trying to do right now is get introductions from comic creators and kind of who you are, where we can find your work, what your work is, type of stuff. Um, I've worked in comics. My name's John Lucas. I've worked in comics uh, since the late 90s. I've worked on... Um, as both a penciler and inker for Marvel, DC, Dark Horse, Image, whoever. If anybody knows me, they probably know me because I drew some Deadpool. Okay. Yeah, but I've inked uh, Uncanny X-Force, uh, X-Men, Master Kung Fu, Deadpool, Daredevil, Wolverine, uh, Batman. I drew some Superman ages ago. Uh and pencil the neat stuff for Vertigo here and there. Awesome. Yeah, and there's some cool stuff here. Oh, okay. I mean, that's the Deadpool, Deadpool stuff, there. Yeah. And then you see some Batman, some Ghost Rider. Yeah. Now, were these for issues, or was this that was just kind of... This was an upper deck card that I did, and I just repurposed it. Uh, this was, uh, I, I was hired to draw a, a Batman story at one point years ago, and I won't go into all the details, but it got... Uh, it got canceled when I was halfway through drawing the first issue, oh. and that's page 11, the first time I get to draw Batman, and so I went ahead and just <laughs> finished it and did it as a print. And then these were just commissions that I did. Awesome. I thought, I'll just repurpose them and keep trying to make money off of them. Yeah, might as well. Add infinite amount. <laughs> and uh, is he, this apparently is I a showcase? I did a cover for the comic book for the show. Okay. So, Awesome. But they're Deadpool pages, they're artwork from an issue of The Haunt that I did for Todd McFarlane, uh, and just some odd bits here and there. Cool. And this is a, uh, the, fir- um, the thing I'm working on right now is a book called uh, After Houdini. Okay. Uh, where Houdini is an agent for a shield-like organization run by Teddy Roosevelt who combats... Uh, the evil uh, uh, metaphysical forces. Nice. So if you want to flip through that, feel free. That does sound cool. That was the first of the remaining interviews from Comic-Con that didn't get into the special episode last week. There are three more, so keep an ear out for those in coming weeks. Today's guest is Marvelous Patrick, creator of the comic Freaks and Squeaks. If you're hearing this portion, it's because you've supported Exploring Comics on Patreon. Thank you for your support and encouragement. What you're about to hear has been edited to make it easier to listen to, but none of the actual content of our conversation has been lost. You're getting the whole discussion in its slightly more ideal form. Again, thank you so much for helping to make this possible. Enjoy!
Welcome to the show. Thank you. So why don't you go ahead and uh, introduce yourself, let uh, people know who you are, what you do, where they can find what you do. Patrick, and um, I make comics. Specifically these days, I make a comic called Freaks and Squeaks at freaksandsqueaks.com, or you can Google it or find it on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, everything, all the socials at, at Marvelous Patrick um, or at patreon.com slash Marvelous Marvelous Patrick. I can't even say my own name, so how good can my <laughs> comics be? Um, That's Mar- and I Marvelous do, Patrick with, uh, without a K. Without a K. There's no K in Patrick, just like there's no crying in baseball. There you go. Freaks and Squeaks, which is basically a satire of pop culture and humanity, but with mice uh, and, and other rodentia at, at times. Is it like... Is it just having them as the primary species or is this happening in like the shadows of the human world? I, when I started it, the idea was that basically they all were in the, this little boy's bedroom. Okay. Like their primary enemies were the mice across the hall. Like when the very, very, very first stories from 2002 was um, that the mice across the hall were developing mouse traps of mass destruction. <laughs> so you've been going at this for a while then. I have. I took a. I took a little break. I did another comic called Fun Factory, um, for about five years, and that it was a very different comic tonally. Is fun for the whole family in that there's things kids would enjoy, but there's also jokes that only grown ups would get. Uh, Fun Factory was like a hard R. There was uh, lots of swearing and nudity and other things like that, uh, but it was also it, it was it was still funny. It was just more like something you'd find on Adult Swim. Hmm. So we wanted to talk today about satire, being that that's a major component of Freaks and Squeaks. Just kind yeah. of for clarification, there's a, there's a lot of stuff that people seem to be confused on the concept of satire. Like, I've seen people would be like, oh, this is just satire. And it's like, no, you're just lying to people. Like, there's... What, what, is, <laughs> what is satire? You know, I, I think... I mean, we could we could find a dictionary definition, but I think the fact that people argue over it means that we're not really satisfied with dictionary definitions um, so much. Uh, unlike irony, uh, which is just misunderstood greatly, I think satire it it's more like a spectrum. And I think you know you can you can have satire where it's very thinly veiled, or where you know you're you're trying to make comments on something that's real, and. Um, you might be trying to find the inherent uh, insanity of, of things we're taking very seriously. Like if you just step back and like look at it and say, well, wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense. Or it could be, you know, some people would say like Weird Al Yankovic does satire. No, he does parody. He does satire. He does par-. Well, parody and satire are very closely, closely related. You know, they're, they're probably um, non-fraternal twins uh, or some such thing. I don't know. Um, but, you know, I, I would say parody tends to be a bit goofier tends to be a more beat for beat sort of thing where satire is i think more based on ideas and commenting on ideas how do you approach satire when you're when you're writing your story like is this just you know you pull from the news and just try to figure out how to make it work in your world or do you start with a joke or um it kind of depends you know sometimes it might just be something as simple as um you know, like, like Saturday Night Live does good satire, especially these days, right? I mean, well, especially everyone does it, especially these days. Um, but, you know, for me, it's always just kind of been like, 
I'm responding to something. You know, I think inherently art is at some level, the artist just simply dealing with whatever they're thinking about. Um, when Gary Larson did the far side, uh, if you, if you get like the big complete far side collection, he, he has a little commentary in there. And one of the things he says is when he looks back at those far side comics, it's like reading his journal. Like he can remember <laughs> like, Oh, I made this comic because I was interested in this thing. I did research and stuff. And I, I think it's very much the same way. It's kind of just a way to process what's happening. Um, and, and for me, you know, it might just be like, I saw something on TV or it might be the news. I mean, it's, it's very heavily the news or, um, one of the big differences that, you know, when I came back to doing freaks and squeaks between when I had taken my little hiatus to do fun factories, I have a family now, my kids, and I'm remembering my own childhood and, and just kind of like, there's some things that are like a little insane. Like I, I have a comic this past year where the little sister and the big sister are sitting like in, in the little sister's bedroom, listening to children's songs. The idea that, uh, there's a kid's song where, um, a man got a bump on his head, went to bed and didn't wake up in the morning. <laughs> right. And that's a concussion. <laughs> I, this is, this is actually really serious or, you know, uh, you know, it's, there's this innocence, but there's this dark side. So I think part of satire is also contrasting things. You know, maybe you contrast something very serious with something very silly. You know, that's, that's where you get like this, this other comment on it, or you take something that's supposed to be very silly and you treat it very seriously. And it, and all of a sudden, you know, it, it's another comment, uh, right? And and for, so for me, that's that's what it is. Is it's it's just processing what's going on in my life. I, I I'm I am inherently one of those people that just I I have a hard time taking things seriously for whatever mm -hmm. reason. And yeah, I, I and I think that's probably you know something that really annoys the people. I probably at my day job with me, but uh, you know, like something that's just like very benign or, or ordinary, and I'll be like, this is absurd, right. uh, you know. And and that's part of it is just uh, trying to get through everyday life, and and so yeah. I mean when we talk about satire, I think that's that's a big piece of it is, you know, there is the question: is there a reason for this? Is it a good reason? And and I'm going to draw my own conclusions, and and that's going to you know influence my art, and it's going to be different than the conclusions that maybe someone else draws, and that's I think that's okay, uh, and I think that's part of having the discussion. And I also, but I, on the other hand, you know, we, I, obviously I'm coming at this from a comedy perspective. And I think, you know, because satire and comedy go very much hand in hand. And I don't, I don't think just because we're doing comedy about any subject doesn't mean we don't take that subject seriously. It, it, I, it's just, it's just another way of processing or thinking about it. And actually some, I, some, and maybe myself, I would argue that, you know, to actually put that much time into like making a joke about it to try to resolve it, you know, shows a, another level of thinking about it a little deeper than like shrug there it is right so you've hinted at i think a few things that kind of really make satire work for people um which is this the reality of it and the connection to comedy what types of like if you had to condense down a, a little bit and just be like here's here's some tips that you need to know if you want to do satire like what would those be um you need to you need to read a lot and you need to expose yourself to a lot of different sources and you need to know you you got to know what the, your enemy for lack of a better word is thinking like how are they processing stuff i mean you you can't just i'm going to make you look dumb because i mean that's that's kind of lazy i mean if you're going to 
present an opposite point of view. Like I'm a very liberal person, and I think that obviously comes out in my comics. But um, to just if you know to to portray other viewpoint as just like uh, you know mouth breathing idiots is no good. But, you know, you need to find something else. Like you need to have like some reality to the argument of like you know if I like I think I had like a bit where like the conservative viewpoint was saying something like yeah so we want people to be more self-reliant and you know we don't want them to work on you know this this and this and then um you know we we need we need people to go out and get jobs and we gotta cut taxes and and says but according to this report i read blah 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 and they're like oh sounds like an elitist typical elitist and the liberals like being able to read doesn't make me an elitist Here's like this real thing. Oh, but then you know you get the boiler point, boiler point, uh, talking point. You hear of you know, oh, don't be an elitist. You know, so then we just you just kind of get that to the end. It's like, oh, here's all these like really salient points, but you know, no one's going to remember to say those in an argument. They're going to say you're an elitist, right? Uh, you know, so you can't, so and you can't respond to that. <laughs> but I know that's a common, that's a common thing that comes up where people. Like, especially, like, I'm thinking of a couple comics. Um, Adam 4D is one, and uh, there's a couple others that are that are more liberal-leaning. Where, you know, the big complaint is everyone in your comic is either you being witty or, or a straw man. Yeah. And it, it is an easy thing to fall into. You know, like, I'd rather find, like, like a legitimate reason to not like someone and, and explore that. Like, you know, when Glenn Beck and the, and, and Sarah Palin and the tea party was really just first starting. So smart, so smart. Well, you know, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's a guy on a radio show with a high school diploma. Right. It wasn't even like the main joke, but this was the thing people got mad about was like, I had like, you know, like when people are on TV and they, you have like their name and like with their title or whatever. And I had like, just like an offhand reference. And now to tell us how to do things is, you know, high school graduate. <laughs> you know, it's just like, that's the thing they got mad about. <laughs> it wasn't like what he said. It was like the fact that I said, well, this person isn't an expert. <laughs> because experts have credentials. He has opinions, but they're not expert opinions. <laughs> what are some comics that you know of, especially in the indie or web comics world, that are doing satire well, you think? You know, I would have to say um, Chainsaw Suit by Chris Straub is consistently brilliant when he does satire. Things just like from, con- cons- you know, consumerism, commercialism to to politics and, and everything in between. And he's just got a really witty brain. I mean, he's he's just a very smart person. He Chris Straub did a did a comic for years. Um, I remember, I think it was called Star Slip Crisis, which was like a yes. sci-fi about a museum ship and like the the captain was like an an, uh, you know an art major (laughs) and so everything was through the view of like and and i went to art school so i'm like oh my god this is a hilarious satire of like how you know fine art (laughs) people are and and like this is great art historians yes like if they were you know if they were exploring space that's exactly how they would do it Like and like he's like and like the big climactic moment where like he's fighting the villain and everyone's about to be enslaved by this piece of art. If they just look at it, the way he solved it was he shifted the context of it by wearing it as a hat. So now it changed how people perceived it. 
Cat. Um, yeah, otherwise, I think um, Sinfest, you know, that I mean, that's been consistently good for a very long time. Um, but, you know, these days, I mean, he does a lot. I mean, a lot of stuff, uh, you know, about kind of just the male dominated world um, and, and politics and America and all these. Yeah. And but he, 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 I mean, I guess you could say it's kind of heavy handed, but it's also kind of not in that, you know, he treats America like America's a character. Right. And Liberty is, you know, a character. And like, so these concepts are characters and they're just interacting like people do. And, and you know, I think that's a really interesting take on, on these things. It's like, what if ideas were people? What if these these principles that we hold to were just people acting like people do? And, you know, like we don't like we want to blame people for for being idiots and stuff like that. But yeah, that's kind of the human condition. And so, you know, if you take these larger than life things and attach the human condition to them, because inherently they are human because they're human concepts. I, I think that's, I think that's beautiful. Doonesbury is no longer daily. I lament that, that we only get new ones on Sundays, but he's been rerunning a lot of like Watergate strips and stuff. So, you know, it's still pertinent. Mm. And of course, Bloom County came back. Yes. I've been, I've been, catching, <laughs> I've been catching that on Facebook. I was so, and that's where it came back to. That's what's great about it. Right. Is yeah. Is that you think, oh, I'm just gonna put this on Facebook now. And that's like, yeah, that's where the world is. <laughs> The recent, the recent run that that they did, I, I guess it won't be recent, too recent by the time this episode actually airs. But right now it is um, with the United Airlines thing, where um, where Opus got was being dragged out of a changing room at yeah. an Abercrombie and Finch, <laughs> and it was called something different, but it was it was basically an Abercrombie and Finch <laughs> name for things, which is something I totally like. I do that too. Like I'll give people like silly like. You know, my Donald Trump is Ronald Blump, you know, but I mean, it's clearly it's Donald Trump. He looks like him and he's a giant potato. Um, <laughs> it just, yeah, I love that sort of thing, though, where you have this thing. It's very silly, but talking about very serious things. Right. And, and like Opus's settlement was like, and he has split it with Steve Dallas's lawyer. And it was like a Speedo or something. Yeah. You know, like, that's like he ripped off like one third of it to give to Steve. <laughs> That was that was a good story. I I was very happy that Bloom County came back. That was that was an important one for me as well when I was get, growing up. You know the idea that we could have like funny animals do serious things, and I don't I, you know I, I I think you know people are like what are your influences and all those kind of like you know really like artsy fartsy kind of questions. Uh, but I think it's very obvious like you know Peanuts, Bloom County, Doonesbury, Simpsons. Yeah, and and Simpsons as you know, for nearly 30 years now, been sticking it to everyone that walks under the sun and God bless them for it. You know, I think like Saturday night live, they're an institution that they should just be a place. People go and make some content for a few years before they go on somewhere else. You know, it's a, it's a great post-grad place to go be a writer. Right. I don't want the Simpsons to ever end. I think they should just keep recasting the main characters and everything. Cause I think it's that important. You know, it's kind of like it's become like Garfield, you know, in that, you know, you open the paper and Garfield's there every day. And in that thing, like, you know, it's going to be there and it might not always be great, but you know, it's there and you know that they have something to say and you know, you can trust it to kind of point out some truth. Yeah, that's, it is, it is fascinating the ways that they can change. Cause I mean, it has to, you know, the comics, comics in general, just, they do often 
reflect the the world in which they exist. But satire, like, is tied. I think I feel like satire is much more tied to its its point in time. Because yeah, like, that, that's a good point. You know, it's that's that's kind of the danger of what I do is you know there's it doesn't have much of a shelf life sometimes. You know, like I'm I'm trying to get the joke out before you know it gets topped a lot of times, or you know while people remember. You know, but the same. So I mean, at the same time, that's one of the that's one of the um, big tricks of it is I'm trying to also weave in characters and other things that that make it worth going back and reading stuff from 2002 because it's not just what was happening in the news or what was happening pop culturally, but you know, then being able to take it and satire something bigger like the human condition or what it is to date someone or just what relationships or friendships are like. Or um, I even, I have a Jesus mouse. He's actually shrew. Uh, cause, uh, JC, the son of God was shrewish, not a mouse. <laughs> and, um, you know, for, for me, that character, I dress him up in the Charlie Brown shirt because I feel like not, not to get too like heady or anything, but when it, when it comes to Jesus, you think about it, he, he's a lot like Charlie Brown. When something goes wrong, he's the first one to get blamed. Something goes right. He doesn't get any credit. Right. <laughs> And people are always, you know, are like, they're always misattributing things to him, you know? And it's just like, just like, I'm trying to just get by, you know? (laughs) So, you know, I I mean, there are, you know, you try to find those other bigger things that, so you're not just tied because I, you know, that is a big danger to satire. You're right. That it's, if you're lucky, it'll come back around like the Watergate comics on Doonesbury. (laughs) Yeah. Boy, you know, I, you gotta imagine when he was making these, he's thinking, "I'm never gonna; these are never gonna be relevant again." I mean, <laughs> right. you know, Jay, Jay, you think about it, maybe in a couple more presents, Jay Leno's monologues will be relevant again, right? Keep keep looking out for those to come back. Yeah. Oh my but god, like, Jay Leno's funny again. You know, at the same time, you do like you said, you have these these characters. I mean, the characters themselves have, are growing and changing, and these events are are impacting them in some way. Yeah. And so like how do you find that balance? How do you how do you figure out like how to let the characters grow in such a way that people can go back and read it and enjoy it while still, you know, kind of giving the commentaries. Yeah, that's that's something I've really struggled with. Like you know, ostensibly, you know, comic characters, you know, either age very very slowly or they don't age at all. Um and and that's, you know, a big challenge is kind of like, well, obviously time passes, you know, Charlie Brown had 50 summers of being one age. I mean, we, we got, but that's kind of how childhood feels in a lot of ways too. Right. Is it, we, all those summers kind of blur together. Like I was a kid and it's just like all those things at once. But I, I, I feel like I made a huge mistake actually when I originally ended freaks and squeaks because I, um, I had him go to prom and then I did like a, uh, I had done a time travel story prior to that where we saw kind of like everyone in the future and, and some things so i i, I time skip for one last trip into the future and you could see how everyone ended up mm. and will engraced it and um and then i came back and i did like some one-off little like stories and i had i had them outside out I, had, I took them out of high school now they were in college in college and stuff you know and everyone was like a little bit a couple years older and time had passed and blah 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 and then you know and, and problem right because he did the opus strip where everyone had aged appropriately and like bingley was like you know 40 years old and and everything and then he ended the opus strip and a couple of years later here's bloom county and you know the very first strip is opus waking up and everyone's back to being kids and young like they were in the 80s 
Right. <laughs> like it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, like wh- why, why do I have to like, so, you know, like now it's like, I just never talk about it. I was like, okay, they're in high schoolish, you know, and, and right. a lot of high school kids also take college classes. And I already established that like the one uh, character, Janice, she was already like taking advanced placement college classes and had left high school mostly. And it's like, okay, I don't, I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to have an age, you know? And I'd like gotten like Janice had gotten engaged to this, this mouse that she had flirted with basically throughout the entire run. Um, and, and I'm like, well, Hey, you know what? Um, my wife, I'm married to now she was engaged to somebody else like her junior year of high school and it didn't work out. And you know, high school kids do stupid things like get engaged too young. So, you know, let her be engaged in high school. It's all right. You know, and then that, because there was a great moment where like the other girl and her boyfriend, um, Schmeichel, who's also shrewish, um, he's Ginny and, and Schmeichel are like right after they'd been there when Janice got engaged. And he's like, uh, so she got engaged. Um, and she's like, no, we don't have to. He's like, oh, thank God. <laughs> Right, because because there's like this acknowledgement, like okay, she's probably not making the great choice, but she's my best friend. But I don't have to do that too, <laughs> right? Which again, you know, bigger comment on just kind of the stupid things we do when we're kids or our friends do. But you know, we just we support them even if we don't agree with them. But maybe we shouldn't. I don't know. And what do we do? And who cares? Right. <laughs> In the long run, yeah. So just don't talk about it. Is 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 my solution to that whole problem? Like, you know, obviously you there's do- a lot of pop culture references. Who you know that. I, I don't. I don't think it hinders anything. Well, we're just about through the time that I asked you for. So, do you have any final thoughts or plugs or anything you'd like to make? Um, I would really like it if if people uh, think I'm at all interesting. Please do check out Patreon.com/slash/MarvelousPatrick. And um, you know, a lot of people have Patreons, and you have these different levels of rewards and everything. Mine's really simple. It's a dollar, dollar a month. It will get. Um, books and right now there are one two three five different books so about (laughs) 700 pages of comics minimum that you'll get for a dollar that's awesome um i do i do the i always post the sketches of all my comics uh there so you get to see like as i'm writing and i post the finished ones on patreon before they go live to the public so you'll get everything new plus so like if you, even if you see the finished one you don't have to wait for the next finished one to come you can read uh the sketch version just to kind of keep up with it too so and um i do a lot of stand-up comedy and so i if i do stand comedy i will post videos there first if i do anything else i post it there first um I've been doing some whiteboard videos for clients. And so I posted some whiteboard videos that I had animated there for people to see too. So you get a lot of bang for your literal buck at patreon.com slash marvelous Patrick, or follow me on Twitter, uh, my Facebook page, Instagram at marvelous Patrick. And of course you can always just go to freaksandsqueaks.com. That works too. If you want to just read the comic, um, a lot of good stuff. I have a secret project I'm working on right now. I can't talk much about other than just say it's called uh, Codename Purple Frog, and it's something that it's like a dream come true, and I'm very excited. And so uh, I'm hoping in like within six months I'll be able to uh, talk openly about that. But so I mean I'm making a lot of comics, and um, people who pay me a dollar get first dibs. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on today. Thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun. I love talking about me and other things I'm interested in. So thank you for having me. (laughs) No problem.
Thank you so much for listening. There are a host of ways to interact with the podcast, including seeing upcoming guests, submitting questions for them, alerting me to news I should announce here, or finding the podcast on other sites. Just follow the Exploring Comics drop-down menu on temclaughlin.com to find the page for the podcast. This episode, as well as the previous five episodes at a time, are also available on iTunes, TuneIn, and Google Play, so check there to rate and subscribe. Each episode is also published on the Nerd Herder Network on Facebook at 8.30pm Eastern Time on Mondays. If you would like to hear the whole discussion between myself and the guests, check out some of the higher level awards or help me to pay to upgrade SoundCloud and keep episodes available longer, support Exploring Comics on Patreon. $1 an episode gets you our full conversation, edited for ease of listening but not for time or content. Special thanks to my guest Marvelous Patrick, the supporters on Patreon, and you for listening. I've been your host, Tim McLaughlin. Have a delightful weekend.